Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Chad Costa, 25 years of fire service experience, currently the assistant chief with Petaluma Fire Department in Northern California. Chief Costa has worked in a variety of organizations, including the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, also known as CAL FIRE, rural districts, and semi-rural districts. He is currently working on a master's degree in fire service leadership and emergency services management. With that being said, I present Mr. Chad Costa. Thanks for having me. My name is Chad Costa. I'm the assistant chief of city of Petaluma Fire Department here in Northern California. Uh, as far as how I got in the fire service, it's kind of an interesting, interesting story. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have heard of Brian Brush. He's uh, mm-hmm. a, chief, a training chief in, in Oklahoma area. So Brian and I grew up together. Um, we were best friends growing up. I was actually the best man in his wedding. So in high school, they had a the local fire department had a had a program where juniors and seniors could essentially join the fire department and be like an auxiliary help and learn a little bit about the career, help out the department. And we're, you know, under 18, you weren't allowed to enter IDLH. There were certain things we couldn't do, but but it was a great program uh, just to get kids an opportunity to to not only help out their local fire department, but also learn a little bit about fire service. So my background, I didn't have anybody in my family that was in the fire service, uh, didn't know anything about it. Uh, Essentially just one of those kids that thought it was cool when the engine went by, um, but always thought it was bigger than me or something that, you know, I wouldn't be able to actually do. So Brian became a volunteer and got into that program and essentially is is who got me into the program uh, essentially just said hey i think you'd like this um, you should try it out so i remember my first day walking into the fire department i i walked through the front door i was really small not that i'm big now but i definitely didn't grow till after high school walking down the hall and one of the uh, members stops me and says what are you doing and i'll leave some of the some of the words out of the story but you can imagine you know what are you doing here and i said oh sir i the chief invited me to come to drill night to kind of see what it's about i'm thinking about maybe joining as an auxiliary firefighter and uh he goes you're too small to be a firefighter and he, he said it in a little a little bit rougher terms but he was just joking but it was you know kind of you know how it was you know it's a family it's a it, it, they wanted to make sure that they were getting the right people in and, you know, that you were going to be a fit. So, so essentially I, I started uh, going to drills and just getting to, getting to learn about the service. And like many of the listeners, I'm sure and yourself just fell in love with the job and, um, you know, started going to school and working towards getting a career. So um, that's kind of how I got into the fire service. Okay. Um, for those that don't know, including myself, can you tell us about Petaluma, the yeah. how many stations, calls, yeah. things like that? So Petaluma is a, a fairly small city, um, three stations, building our fourth, you know, cross-staff ladder truck, um, have some wildland equipment. Obviously, most listeners know about wildfire in Northern California or California in general. It's a big part of our, you know, all hazard risk response Um uh, 
city department sounded, uh, surrounded by rural agencies. So we get kind of a mix of, of um, you know, the standard calls. So we run probably hit 9,000 calls this year with our three stations, uh, mostly EMS, like most departments, mostly EMS, but we have an airport, a river, you know, a, a freeway that runs through the city. And like I said, a wildland intermix interface. So a good, it's a small department. It's, it's really neat to be able to be, you know, more than a number. Uh, a lot of our members are, are, you know, big parts of our department running divisions, things like that. So a uh, smaller agency, about an hour, hour and 15 north of, of San Francisco um, in the wine country, you know, the gateway to the wine country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and with such a smaller size department, um, mm-hmm. what's the culture like there? Or have you seen it shift to more of a positive culture? Yeah. 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 I mean, in my experiences, in my opinions, culture in the fire department kind of ebbs and flows and it, and you could have uh, one, you know, you could have a good culture and, and, you know, a, a positive work environment and that can change fairly quickly either with leadership changes, financial changes to your department, your city uh, staffing is, is a big, can be a big, have a big effect on, on the culture of your department. If your members are getting, you know, mandoed constantly. I've, I've seen old uh, organizational culture kind of auger in. Um, I I believe our department ebbs and flows like 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 any others. Uh, I think the smaller it is, you know, it has a tendency to to change quicker. You know, just just less people and um, and you know, one person or one thing can really can, can really uh, affect. Uh, you know, departmental culture, but our, our organization is kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of been built off of, uh, local homegrown, um, people, people that are invested in the community or in the County and that, and that slowly changed over time. I, I, I believe some of the generational changes, some of, some of it is schedule changes. The department went to a 4896 schedule, uh, which, which in our county, it's it's really expensive. Probably our biggest challenge is just the expense of living here. Okay. Um, median median size home seven hundred plus eight hundred thousand. Not uncommon to be over a million. Uh, it's just almost impossible for someone starting out fresh, you know, to 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 purchase. They have, if you get in younger and smaller, you know, you can get in, but it's difficult with the family. So. We went to 4896, things started changing. At least this is just my opinion. Uh, we started seeing people move farther and farther away uh, from the agency in order to, to raise their family in somewhere where it was more affordable. Uh-huh. Um, we also we also uh, we also have seen, I think this is across the country, not just here in Petaluma or in California, but the paramedic uh, aspect of, of the fire service, you know, that paradigm switch where uh, most agency hire o- almost all, if not all, paramedics uh, right. like us. Uh, we hire predominantly paramedics. That's become a challenge because you know this the 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 supply is or the demand is outrun the supply. Um, so what's what's happened is is that we're having to reach out farther than we ever did before. People are googling how to get to our department to get to our test. They're flying. Uh, we have members that fly to work, uh, and and. Huh. 
and what happens and this is just my per again just my personal feelings on the topic I, I think when you start to get people that are farther and farther away there's a little bit of a loss of the connection to the community a little bit of a loss in the connection to the organization and that internal family you know we just had a, um we have members right now that are really stepping up to the plate that are trying to get kind of those um you know the softball games the 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 thing the off duty events that bring the families together camping trips things like that we're trying to bring that back into the organization we sort of lost it there covid didn't help but um but we have to you know we have to build back that that kind of family relationship ultimately it all starts with us in between the walls of the firehouse and at the kitchen table and and if we don't you know respect and and really look at each other internally as a family, like we say that we do in the fire service, we start to lose that connection with each other. And it and it starts to erode into being, you know, just a job, if you will, and a paycheck, or, or it tends to lead itself that way. Um, I think our organizational went through, went through some challenges in the last five to 10 years, some leadership challenges, some, you know, changes in fire chiefs, uh, rapidly changing in fire chiefs, um, rapidly changing in in new new younger you know people and and in positions not only entry level but time chief level. Um, so there's a lot of change, uh, a lot of generational change, as well as all the topics that I talked about a few minutes ago, and. Uh, we're really coming out of like I'm re- I'm very proud of the organization to where we're at today. Uh, staffing's at some of the best it's ever been. Um, we're remodeling stations, trying to build a force station. I I think ultimately leadership and just a vision for your organization is very critical to 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 culture. You know, setting that standard at the highest level, um, empowering your people, investing in your people, all those things. It's not just stuff that we talk about, but actually doing it. When people start feeling valued and start feeling like they're a part of a family and they're they're part of a purpose and they're recognized for their efforts and their time that they put in, you know, that's how you slowly change that culture in your organization. Um, imagine the bigger the organization, the more difficult that can be. But right. for us, I think we're in a good place. I think we have a good foundation for future Um you know, but like I said, it just it sucks because it, just one little thing or one thing that may seem little, you know, can start to erode that. So it's really important that we stay on top of all these topics. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what is minimum staffing for for your your agency? Yeah. So we we have three stations, um, sixteen firefighters on duty a day, up to eighteen. Four person cross staff truck right now. We're we're in the process of staffing our truck full time with four, okay. and then have three engine companies and a battalion chief. That's that's our minimum staffing. the The goal that we're working on that we should have here soon, hopefully, is is a staff truck with four, three staffed engines with three, and a battalion chief. And you know, we cross staff some wildland stuff and some other you know specialty pieces of apparatus. Okay. Um, what, uh, what do you typically, typically get on a, in your area first due box? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. We do, um, three engines, a truck and a battalion chief, and then the auxiliary equipment that come depending on, depending on call volume, we do have three staffed ambulances with a paramedic, either two paramedics or a paramedic and an EMT. They're on our first alarm box. Uh, the ambulances are all, if they're all available, they all go. So our fluctuational numbers kind of depend on 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 those available ambulances. 
which is a super challenge we're having right now is, is the, the call volumes just exploding and Mm -hmm. the ambulances are busy more often than not. It's not uncommon for us to have a first alarm and no ambulances be on the call. Um, so, so that's why, you know, we're looking at some alternative staffing models, you know, the single role paramedics and things like that, just to try to ensure that we have all those firefighters actually available, you know, pending other calls, but they're, they, there's more chance that they're available if they're on an engine or a truck than it is the ambulance right now, especially with their wall times and transport times and things like that. So three engines, uh, a ladder truck and a battalion chief, and then three ambulances if, if they're available. Okay. And are the apparatus, uh, are they EMTs or paramedics or a combo? Yeah. So, so we try, um, it's not a requirement, but we try to have a paramedic on every engine or ladder truck. So, so we do have ALS engine companies and the ladder truck is ALS. Uh, there are occasions, like there are occasions where we don't, but that's pretty rare. Okay. Uh, so for the most part, they're ALS based. All right. Um, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving this job? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I, I, I think personally, you know, every, every individual is a little bit different. What's the drive? What's the fire inside of you that keeps you going? Whether it's a, whether you got a specialty in rescue or specialty in hazmat or specialty in whatever it is, there's, that's, what's beautiful about the fire services. Essentially, um, you know, you, you could you could be uh, you could be an SME on just about anything you know it's whatever your passion is. So for me personally, my, <clears throat> what happened to me probably oh mid twenties is when I pro- first first time I promoted to captain in another organization. Um, I started realizing that you know I I have a passion for fighting fire. I have a passion for going calls. Trust me, that's what got me into it. I'd still love it. I miss it. You know I try to get to every call I can when I can, mm-hmm. but. Um, but I had a passion to lead. I had a passion to change. I had a passion to, uh, you know, we're talking about culture. And when you work in an organization that has a poor culture or just a poor work environment, or just essentially you wake up in the morning and your head comes off that pillow and you say to yourself, eh, I don't really want to go to work today. That's a problem, you know, and we all go through that. We, you know, we all right. go through those ebbs and flows with jobs, you know, with life, Um but when that's consistently happening, which it was for me, um, that's not good. You know, that's not that's not an environment or a space that anybody wants to be in. So for me, it was like, okay, well, if if I want to make change or if I want to leave this place better than I found it, as as Brian would say, um, I, I needed to I needed to move up the ladder a little bit. I needed to have a little more. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not control, but just, just have a little more effect on the organization. And I think, I think informal leadership in an organization is more important than formal leadership. I actually mm-hmm. do. I think badges and, and brass d- d- think a lot of people out there think that you have control because of your rank. That's not necessarily true. I actually believe that your informal leadership in your organization has the biggest uh, effect on culture. Uh, no matter, I said this the other day, no matter how much I do or no matter how much effort I put into my department, if the members aren't on board or they're not seeing that vision or they're not uh, rowing the boat, we're not going to get there. And in fact, they're going to row it backwards very quickly. So so although on one side of my mouth, I'm talking about promotional opportunities gave me a little more scope of, of affecting the organization. 
um, don't don't take that the wrong way. I, I don't I don't want that to come across as just because I'm in a rank or an upper rank that 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 means that that's full control of of this culture change. So, um, but but I do think that there's there's it opens some doors for you to to make change in your organization and to be able to set goals and to be able to 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 be able to kind of point that ship in the right direction. So. For me, what keeps me going is just the to, to be able to see the fruits of the labor, to be able mm-hmm. to see, um, you know, the organization I'm in when I started, uh, we rarely responded outside of the city limits. We, it was it was very much take care of the city. And that's all we did. Um, now we have full boundary drops with organizations. We're doing uh, multi-agency training uh, throughout the whole county. Um, I feel like being able to see the fruits of the labor, being able to see the troops happy, the BNO to see staffing come up to its highest level. Um, those kind of achievements uh, for the effort and the time I put in are kind of what keep my fire going and what drives me to keep, continue to, 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 to do what I can to leave a, a mark on the service, at least, you know, in this department. Right. Right. So I, there, there were three things that I, I noted that hit me pretty hard with you. And I was like, I wish and I can't speak for all, but I, I know that there are a majority of chiefs out there who have a huge disconnect and, you know, totally forget what it's like being, being the, the boots on the ground. But so I hit on your, your three things. Your first one was one of the worst things you can do is make significant changes after promotion, strive to be the leader you want to be long before that day comes. And that's so true because I know I've seen it when promotional time comes, the guy that has done nothing, all of a sudden you see him hitting the books, he's getting involved, he's engaged. And these are the individuals that most of the time, unfortunately, and, and it now it's not always the case, you know, they, some of them do develop and change into and grow into something bigger. But most of the time, once they get the bugles, that's it. And then those are the worst kinds of characters you want with 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 authority. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that one, and then another one that you put on there was characteristics of successful leaders: hard work, self motivation, empathy, humility, and emotional and social intelligence. Yeah. Um. That that's another one. It hits all the nails on the head of what a successful leader should should strive for to be and to have those characteristics. Yes. Um, and the other, the last one was imagine the success and resilience. And this one speaks volumes. Imagine the success and resilience of an organization where the leaders at the top rival as the hardest workers. Yeah. So with those three things, how I'm sure you it's because you saw it, but like coming from me, seeing a, as people call it, a chief or a white helmet, with those type, with that type of mentality, just goes to show. And you mentioned, and it makes sense. You're good friends with Brian Brush, Chief yeah. Brush is. You guys are like identical on the fact that you've never forgot what it's like to be boots on the ground. Yeah, yeah, man. We could talk. We could talk over quite a few beers over those topics. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, sometimes I sit. I sat the other day and I was talking to someone about about some of this stuff, and I just. I sit back and I'm like, why is this so difficult? You know, right. Why Why do we have so many issues with this? And I, I don't know the answer. I mean, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. 
but I do know that <clears throat> that in my opinion, um, let's see, how do I put this into words? Uh, I, I want to try to rephrase this a little bit. The badge that I wear, the bugles that are set on my, you know, on my neck here, um, they're they're a, a symbol of of something, you know, of rank mm-hmm. or or whatever. Rank authority, yeah, topic. right. They are, but what's behind the badge is is really what makes you as as a leader, as a person, right? What's what it's your personal characteristics, your heart, your passion, uh, you, how much you care about the people and the organizations on the job. So so what happens to people is, is I think they look at the badge or the rank as, you know, two things. One is, is oh, you know, it's, it's a personal achievement or it's like uh, a power thing or, you know, sometimes surmising some, some, some psychological thoughts that go through people's head. They think that they get, once I get that badge or I get those bugles, you know, I'm going to, it's going to be my way or it, it, I'm going to be able to make the effect that I want to affect. And what they don't, and I'm kind of speaking to that first one you talked about right now, um, what they don't realize, what people don't realize is once you get that badge, great, you have it. But what's that badge going to do for you? Or what's that rank going to do for you? It's either going to, it's either going to help you be successful in achieving those things you want to achieve or it's going to absolutely destroy you. And I've seen it over and over and over where people that did not put in the the time and the effort and really earn the respect as a person, either whatever rank they're in or just as as a human being in their organization, uh, get the promotion and come to me six months, a year, a couple of years after it, and we talk about it and they're miserable. You right. know, they're miserable. They may not look at it on the outside, but they're going home and they're kicking the dog and they're miserable with their job. And the reason is, is because just getting the badge or the bugles or whatever the rank um, is only part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you the people in your organization have to respect you as an informal or a formal leader and as whatever rank you're in. And if they don't, they're going to make your life miserable and you're going to you're going to hate it. And I just. I can't emphasize that enough to all the people in our organization or anybody else that reaches out to me that is looking to promote. I always ask them, like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about the organization. How are you viewed in the organization? Have you talked to, I don't know, uh, people do this. They 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 want to get hired in our organization. They come here and they want to talk to bat, to gold badges. They want to talk to chiefs. So they feel like, oh, you know, I need to win them over. That's not how I operate this department. We do when we do, uh, you know, uh, assessment centers, not assessment centers, but like entry level interview stuff. Mm-hmm. The firefighters, the captains, the engineers sit on the panel. There's no chiefs. Why? Because I want to hire the people that they want to hire. I want to hire the people that they want to work with for thirty something years in a fire station. So, so I think it's really important to earn that respect. It, it, it's absolutely essential to earn that respect prior to ever getting that badge. And if you're that type of person that throws on your badge shirt and starts sending emails and puts out a training to, you know, once the flyer comes out for the promotion, not only do I see that, mm-hmm. uh, but so does everybody else that's sitting right next to you. You cannot fool the fire department. You can't. These, we all know each other. We know what's going on in our lives. I mean, the bigger you get, the more difficult that is. I understand that. 
But um, so I think that's a critically important for you to, to earn that respect long before. And you should start earning that respect in the academy. You should start earning that respect when you're on probation and long, long before um, ever thinking of stepping into a formal leadership role. Um, as far as, you know, the, the, the one I want to hit on is that social and emotional intelligence. You know, those are kind of words that have came out. They're more predominant as we talk about it in today's world. Um, ultimately, I, I, that's that behind the badge thing. You know, what's what's in that heart of yours? What's Where's that passion? Do you care about your people? Are you one of those people that reach out to people when they're on reach workman's comp and say, hey, how you doing? You know, is there anything I can do to help you or just checking in? If you're one of those people that, you know, someone your members have a child, you know, reach out to them and, 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 you know, just, just, just say, say hi or say, say whatever. I, I don't know, but, but it's not, we're not just, we're not just numbers. We're not just badges. We're not just ranks or people and the leaders in today's fire service. I think the ones that I try to emulate the ones that I look at up to the ones that I ask questions to are those chief officers that are doing that servant leadership style and and ultimately sacrificing for their organization for the better good of the people. Those are the ones that are successful. And I'm here to say in the generations that are here with the millennials, the X, the A's, everything that's coming, that's the future of the fire service. The top-down leader that thinks, uh, you know, rank is power and, and, you know, do what I say because I told you so. Good yeah. luck with that. I'm actually put on a class and it's, and someone told me I should call it good luck with that because that's what I say. I'm like, Good luck with that style. Good luck with that approach. It ain't going to work. And you're going to come back a few years later and you're going to wish that you didn't do it. So, but that's kind of, you know, trying to wrap up those three, yeah. those three quotes, if you will. They're, they're pretty powerful and, and they're true to what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Like, a, like, a, you know, as stated before, it's, it's always great to, to see a chief like that. Cause unfortunately, you know, you have those that, that don't remember that or have completely forgotten, you know, what yeah. it's like. And, you know, when that occurs, the troops see that and it just, it just makes for a, a, a lousy experience to put in, in better words. So, yeah. Um, and that's not how it's supposed to be. We say it's no. the best job in the world, but then, right. but then we create a space or an environment where, where, you know, people are miserable. Like why, right. why, why are we doing that? We're so lucky to have this job. It's sad. Um, right. We got to have fun. That's this, you know, we got to have fun. We're doing this for a long time. We see some of the craziest things, some of the most terrible things that anybody could ever imagine. You know, how you stack that on top of a crappy work environment or a crappy culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then we wonder why people are leaving. We wonder why we have a spike in mental health issues. We wonder why we have a spike of people out on workman's comp. You know, it's, it's all right in front of us and it's all very obvious. And we just got to, you know, we got to work together to try to change that culture. And I, I believe the fire service is changed. And I think we fast forward 20 years. I think a lot of these things we're talking about, we're still going to talk about, mm -hmm. but, but there's, there's significant leadership out there at, at some really high ranks that are making some really positive efforts. And I'm, I'm trying to ride those coattails and, and continue to do what I can do. Awesome. Um, I had, I had a thought and I just lost it. I hate that. That's right. Um, no, man, 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 man. I, I'm sure it'll come back to me. Uh, so in your opinion, what key elements or factors are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, so I wrote an article recently about, 
you know, hiring for what's above the shoulders. And I wanted to, I want to expand on that a little bit, or at least, because I think this helps answer the question. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, I've, I've wrote an article that's, that was titled, you know, why did we stop hiring all the workers? And, and so what, did, what do I mean by that? Like, I, I think they're, I, I think the fire service in general does make some mistake when we just hire for what's below the shoulders. And what I mean by that is, um, we say, oh, you, I'm, I'm going to have to clarify this because I know there's people listening like, what is he talking about? I, I, there needs to be a balance between physical traits and your, your emotional and social intelligence and who you are as a person. Um, we're asking firefighters in today's world to go out into our communities and to deal with um more than we've ever had to deal with before. And that's not just calls, that's business inspections, that's, um, you know, community outreach, uh, you know, going to social events. Mm -hmm. The fire department has become a key stakeholder, uh, or it has been, and it continues to be a key, a key stakeholder in the community. And so when we hire people, we need to hire people that have that social and emotional intelligence and the ability to interact and speak and uh, show respect for those people that are paying our paychecks. Um, so if we, so I guess what I mean by that is what, what makes a good firefighter is, is not only someone that's physically fit. Like, I think that's obviously a top <laughs> you right. have to be physically fit to do the job. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. And, and people push back on me and I'm like, no, I'm not saying that you, you can't, you know, don't throw ladders and don't be able to do the job and pull right. those out not saying that what i'm saying is we have to put a value also on what's behind that badge and what's in the heart and are they like they're i can't tell you how many firefighters i've worked with in my career that are great when the alarm goes off and and are excellent firefighters they do great work um but they were miserable to work with you know they were they were assholes or they mm -hmm. were rude to people mm -hmm. or they treated people disrespectfully if they thought different than them or if they had different values or backgrounds we that crushes the culture of an organization like i, I granted my organization isn't one that runs you know two alarm fires every day so so maybe my approach or maybe my thought process is a little bit skewed but I say this to, to all of our firefighters in the academies, like, I really don't care about your physical, about your abilities to pull hose and swing axes and all like I do, but I, but in a lot of ways I don't, because that's why we have a training program. That's why we have, you know, rigorous training requirements. Mm -hmm. I can teach you how, or we can teach you, you know, how to stretch, how to throw ladders, how to do those things. What I can't teach you is how to live with all different walks of life, with all different backgrounds and morals and ethics and all that stuff um, for 30 something years in a closed box. You know, I just I, I can't teach that. I think people grow and through marriage and through kids or through life experiences, we, we all grow. I certainly have. Um, but I just believe what makes a good firefighter is someone that's well-rounded, that's someone that's teachable, that can that can learn, but also just comes into the firehouse with a, hey, I'm just a piece of this family, and uh, I value everybody that's in this family, and I value their opinions and how they, and, and at the end of the day, if I don't agree with them, that's okay. Um, but we got to work together, and we're a family, and those people that do that, 
are generally more successful because we can train them to be badass firefighters. We can do that. Uh, we just can't train them to to treat people with the respect that that they need to. Yeah. So. No, absolutely right. I mean, I, I yeah, you definitely know those people where you want them on your truck when that when that big call comes in, but personality wise their people skills suck like they're just or they're crude or it's like man did you really say that out loud like people can hear you so right. yes we have to be able to balance that and, and and find that find that middle ground where you are a top gun on the fire ground but you're also a human being when it comes to firehouse life and just life in general so totally get it yeah, I, agree. I, I mean um I'll, I'll add to that Okay, so you're we're saying that you know organizational culture is important, absolutely, right? We're saying that the the respect or the trust that the public has on us is top is is one of key. It's key to our success as the fire department. I mean, the constituents has to tr- have to trust the fire department. One person going into that grocery store and treating Mrs. Smith like crap, or treating uh, someone. I don't know, just one person making a poor choice, doing something bad that hits the papers. Um, and ultimately, just like that, all yeah. that work that we've done to build that trust with the it's community gone. is gone. Yeah. So so why, you know, why wouldn't that be important? It, it has to be. And we make mistakes and don't get me wrong, things happen and we all have bad apples and, and we all right. have poor decisions. But ultimately, that's what I think makes a good firefighter. Okay. Um I remember the question I had in my little brain fart earlier. Um, you mentioned that you, your department went to a schedule change. What were you doing before? So pretty common in California was the Kelly schedule, which was uh, one on, one off, one on, one off, one on, four off. So three on, essentially three days working with one day off in between and then four days off. That was That's pretty common. Kelly schedules where most of California was. Okay. Uh, and about 20 years ago, it started changing roughly um, to the 4896. And and so I think this organization transitioned to 4896 maybe 15 years ago, probably roughly around that. Okay. And, and that's, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, as a firefighter, I love the schedule and it, and it's really beneficial if you, you know, don't live in the community you work in. Right. Uh, but it's also had some cause and effect that I don't think people realized. Mm-hmm. And at least that's my opinion is that it's sort of changed that connection with the community and the culture of the organization. It definitely had an effect on it. Right. I mean, cause you, you, you mentioned or stated uh, you have certain people flying in to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty wild. It's pretty common in uh, California, especially uh, larger organizations for people to live out of state. And we don't have anybody that lives out of state, but that's not uncommon okay. um, that take commercial airlines, you know, from Texas to California. I mean, just based off their schedule and their ability to trade days or, or, you know, m- manipulate the schedule to be, right. to, to make it make sense. I mean, they're not flying home and then flying back the next day for Amando, but right. Right. Uh, but yes, uh, we have people that drive, you know, three, three and a half hours uh, commute to get here, uh, which makes it difficult, you know, when you're yeah. having that top of yeah. Saturday and it's the middle of your four day, they're not, they're probably not coming in. And not, right. not so, so how do we build that family back into the fire service? And when I started, it was, 
it was truly a family and I don't want to say it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to say it's a different, it's a, it's a, it's different and everywhere. And you know, certain everywhere. organizations right. have been successful in keeping it. Um, but I, but I, whether it's generational changes, whether it's, um, whether it's schedule changes, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that have affected that, but it's not as close as it once was, you know, not everybody knows everybody's kids' names. And granted, I get it. Some people listening, you know, work in very large organizations. Right. That's That's impossible. Right. But the smaller organizations, you know, instead of being a number, it's, oh yeah, I know Jim or I know Marcy, such and such, whatever, because you're so small where everybody knows everybody. So that I, I, I totally get, I totally get your sentiments. And I only bring it up because, we had uh, at my department, it, it's kind of rough and feathers bringing it up, but you know, one was proposed and well, you know, blah, 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 this happened. And so right now we currently work at 2448 and mm-hmm. I mean, there's no perfect schedule out there. Well, to me, my opinion, if we can add another platoon to do a 2472, I think that would be great, yes. but you know, it's, it's, um, up to the city managers, town leaders, you know, to, to decide whether they can do that or not. But, um, I listened to, uh, oh man, I forgot his name, but anyway, I listened to John Spare's episode with the behind the shield, I think is his, he was the That's creator awesome. of behind the shield. And they, he did various studies on the schedules, like which mm-hmm. one's good for sleep. Because if you're in a department that runs paramedic, you do transports, you know, that affects all this stuff that this job entails, you know, can can determine your your retirement type factor. Like you, you don't want to be the one to retire and a week later, you, you know, you pass away. And so it's just interesting to hear how California does and how your department, you know, uh, the different types of schedules. Yeah. And it's important. Um, it's important to recognize that I don't think the 4896 is the forever schedule either. Right. Um, and, and the reason that for all the facts and all the statements that you just said, it essentially um, the 4896 came about and all of a sudden now your call volume starts exploding. Now you're dealing with uh, work rest cycles that are getting exploded. Members mm-hmm. are going home and sleeping their tired. first day because right. they're so tired. Right. Um, we have an issue. We have a problem. And I think a lot of departments do. And really those, uh, I, I believe it may not happen in my time, but maybe the next generation of firefighters and city managers and, and budget people are really going to have to start looking at a fourth platoon. I know it's out there. I know oh, there's yeah. some departments that already have gone gone to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a fourth bl- platoon is 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 coming, and it's coming because um, because of the issues of mental health and suicide and all those unfortunate things that we're dealing with, and it all ties back into what we're talking about. The you know the lack of sleep, the the just all those studies, it's just right. It's right there. Like the data is there. Why don't we do it? Well, firefighters are expensive. That's the, that's the challenge, but um, at what cost, you know, exactly. at what cost of our right. people? We need, we need, um, we need to either increase the staffing to, to have more response vehicles um, to be able to handle the exploding call volume and all those other things that were expected of us, or, or, or we're going to have to go to another platoon. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen in our department tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. But I I would not be surprised if uh, you know in the next ten to twenty years there's some some paradigm switch in the fire service to go to another platoon to be able to address some of these issues we're dealing with. Okay. Um, and this next question, it it could be short term, long term, but what are your ultimate goals? Yeah. Well, me specifically, I'm going to the EFO, the National Fire Academy, going through that that program, working on my master's degree. Um, and essentially, why am I doing that? You know, I believe that um, today's fire service leaders, the fire chiefs, should have upper level education, also um, a modern education, meaning like what 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 do we what do, I want to go learn from those that are be that are successful today. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, I can have and continue to learn from the past, but it but relevancy in this job is important. Um, you know, those that led 20 years ago, it's a changing fire service, thankfully. Uh, I believe it's headed in the right direction. So it's important to me to have that modern, relevant education. Um, my goal is to lead a fire department as a fire chief. Um, I don't know where that's going to be. You know, I don't know what state that's going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife is uh, open to, to you know, whatever opportunities, whether that's in Petaluma or whether that's in some other state. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to grow that foundation and build that be- building block. So when that opportunity comes, I can um, I can compete with the best of them out there. Uh, but ultimately, my goal is to to lead an organization. That just you know, not sure where or when. And some of that you can wish all you want, but you have to also have be be offered that opportunity. Absolutely, know, absolutely. It doesn't matter how hard I try, but. Um, yeah, that's my ultimate goal someday. I'm not sure where that is, but but I, I'd like to 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 be, you know, uh, I, I I have a some passion inside of me to to be, you know, uh, a, a leader in the fire service, uh, mm-hmm. not just not just the community that I serve. Um, that's why I write some stuff that I do or do these type of things. Mm-hmm. I think it's important, and um, I value those out there that are you know spending the time to to put an effort into changing and bettering our service as a whole. So that's my ultimate. Okay. No, I mean, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Um, I know that, you know, that that's a topic too, in its own, you know, uh, degrees and certificates and whatnot, but I, I truly believe once you reach a certain level, you would say, you know, as fire chief, it, it's more of, okay, the, I, I forgot who told me, but the best, uh, um, actually, uh, it was, uh, Todd Marshall, a, a friend of mine. He mentioned yeah. that fire chiefs, it's political, whether you agree with it or not, but it's not about, it's not just, okay, you're the fire chief. I'm going to just worry about fire department stuff. Yes. And no, because you have to answer to town boards, city managers, uh, yes. budgets, uh, you're, you're planning for the future. So education is definitely important um, when it comes to wanting that role for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's why I wrote that. The first article I wrote, you know, that's what it was about. It was about finding the balance mm-hmm. of education and experience. And uh, I just would ask the listeners, you know, if you were going to choose your fire chief and you were going to have somebody be the face of your organization on the in the paper or on uh, on the news or or on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you do, um, 
do you want that person to be well-educated, well-spoken? And do you want that person to be able to articulate the wonderful things that your fire department does for your community? Uh, yeah, I would think you would yeah. want them to be right. able to do that. Cause they, cause that's our, you know, one of our main jobs, like as, as the, I, I'm somewhat the face of the organization and I want to sell the traits and the great things that these members do day in and day out. Uh, I have to be able to articulate that not only in writing, but also speaking. Um, so, so getting the education, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that it makes me a better fire chief, right? But it, but it allows me, or it's, it allows me to grow in my ability to really, to really speak and, and to talk about about the organization and and branding ourselves and 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 you know that community outreach. And so the, the the people that are that are out there, you know, paying our paychecks. They need to know what we do and and they need to know the great things that our organization does for the community, not only with running calls, but with fire prevention and everything else. We have to be able to articulate that. We have to be able to let everyone know what the fire department's about. Because if you ask most people, they're just going to say, oh, the fire department just there for fires. Well, we right. all know that's not true. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think there is a balance. I think it's important for fire chiefs or leaders, obviously, to have experience and to be able to talk about, talk from the heart on, on their own experiences. Um, but the education, you're, you hit it on the head. I mean, as you promote, the fire service is changing. I mean, everything we do is technology-based, all of our reports, everything. So, so if you want to be a captain or you want to be a formal leader in an organization, yeah, you know, pound your chest and talk about all those fires and all those heat holes you cut. I get it. That's important. It's very important, but it's also important to be able to write a report about that heat hole you cut and to be able to sit in front of a judge and talk about the decisions that you made on a call because you're being called on the carpet. So mm -hmm. yeah, you've got to have that balance. And for those of you out there that think that education is not important, I, I was there. I mean, I, that's how I felt until I got into the role and was like, Oh my gosh, you know, my writing sucks. Um, yeah, the 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 admin assistant is laughing at it at a paragraph I wrote. Yeah. Um, it was time to grow, and uh, the fire service is changing, and you you have to have that balance. And I, I mean, you're seeing fire chiefs now with PhDs, and and I'm not going to make it to that level, but I, I commend them for that. Just a bit, have that level of uh, of commitment to education is extraordinary, and it's sometimes it's lifelong and never and never ends. Yes, and expensive. Yeah, to, I, I can attest to that. Yes, yes. Uh, and kudos to the organizations that support their members. You know, right with education incentives and things like that to get, to help pay for some of that. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, I can show you my bills. It's 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 it's. Uh, my wife often says, like, why you know. She asks, you know, she's looking at the bottom line. It's it's expensive. I agree. Oh no, you're absolutely. I mean, my wife is a uh, Penn State grad, and you know, she's to this day we're still paying off like loans, and it's just like, man, yeah, it's crazy. It yeah. shouldn't be like that. I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, but it's right. too bad that that education's become so expensive for us. Right, but. right. It is. It is crazy. You're totally right. Um. What would you say to those hungry, eager, motivated firefighters who feel like they're surrounded by an unmotivated culture or organization? Yeah. Well, all I can do is say I've been there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there and it's brutal. And um, 
Uh, it's easy to say, you know, maybe it's time to look somewhere else. And it's easy to say, you know, look for maybe it's time to look for somewhere or some some family that uh, that is a better fit. I mean, right. obviously, that's always an option. It, mm-hmm. Potentially. I mean, not for everyone, but right. potentially there's that option. I, I, I don't think that's an option for everyone and certainly isn't an option that's fast you know, it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and be in a different environment. So you're going to have to live with it to some degree, maybe for your whole career or maybe just for a short period of time. But what I would say to people is uh, cultural thing, cultural things and these type of negative things we're talking about do change. They do. Um, sometimes it feels like it takes forever, but they do. Um, and what your effects on that, the effects that you can have on bettering that is what's most important. It's the hardest thing to do. Psychology and the fire service is not studied enough and is not preached enough. There's everything we do, it ties back into psychology. But if you can find a way to, um, you gotta find a way to, to, to accept some of the things and live with them. And you have to find a way to fight and battle and, um, the, in, in, in areas or as small as they may be to try to better that situation you're in. You have to. Um, otherwise you're going to be mentally burnt out on this job and just, and, and, you know, be miserable. So in those times that I've found myself in those situations, it got easier as I got older, but I was, I I did a better job at realizing I can't control everything. Um, you can't control everything. There's only so many things that you have some type of control over. So, what do you do? You know, you find a niche in the organization, you find a passion, you find an area that you can affect and you just hammer at that. Um, and slowly but surely you chip away. At, I mean, it's possible that you never get, you know, never right. chip away at the whole mountain. Right. But but you slowly do and and you slowly start start seeing the efforts, whether it's just as on your engine company. I mean, I tell people all, all the time, like. The organizational culture may suck and the department may be in a tough spot. It doesn't have to mean that your engine company or your ambulance company or truck company follow that lead. You can have the greatest fire department in the world at Station 3 on the sea shift. You just right. can't. Um, it's all what we make in it, we make of it. So if you can't affect the whole organization, do what you can to affect the small group that's surrounding you. Do what you can to affect those new people coming into the organization so they don't fall in that same trap. Eventually, your efforts do make a difference. And um, the scale is unmeasurable because, you know, it depends on the situation. But um, I've been there. And I just say, don't give up and keep fighting and make the effect on on whatever, you know, group you can. And sometimes that's just uh, the firefighter next to you and the captain in front of you or, or whoever that is. Um I've, I've been in shitty situations where I really enjoyed going to work because mm-hmm. the crew that I was with and the captain or the engineer or whoever uh, was fun and made it fun. And we did what we could to enjoy the job in that small scope. So that's what I would say. Okay. All right. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? Mm. Yeah. I mean, oof. I think we always have fun. Uh, we always have areas to improve, but right. I really enjoy reading. Uh, I keep it on my desk here, the 21st century white paper that got put out by CPSC, I think last year or year before. And it talks about, you know, what are the challenge to modern day, the modern day fire service. And for me, um, 
I want to talk a little bit about the branding effect of the fire service. Uh, I I know why we're called the fire department. I'm not suggesting that we have to change that, but I do I do think that in today's world, the brand, the fire department, is misleading, and it actually can hurt us significantly with uh, the perception, the public perception of us, and just the fact that all we're there for is the fire department. We all know that's not true. We all know that that we do so much more and then we're continually being asked to do more in risk reduction in our communities uh, and, and public education and fire safety. So, so ultimate and prevention, if you will. So mm-hmm. I, I think the fire service needs to, to be com- community risk reduction oriented and really, really focus on what we really do for our communities as well as, as well as go to fires and, um, and 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 that helps with that sustainability of the, of our department, and sustainability of our service, and the ability for that funding to continue to flow, to be able to to increase staffing um, and go to the fourth platoon and do all the other things. But that's that's an overview. Uh, but ultimately, we got to get back into focusing on our people and take care of our people. Uh, there's a mental health crisis. There's there's a lot of things going on in our service today that are degrading you know our abilities to provide service and it starts with us it starts with the human beings inside your fire department you gotta invest in them you gotta invest in mental health and their training and their longevity and their uh you know their career paths or whatever whatever it is that you're speaking of we gotta focus back on our people i think we've taken our people for granted to some degree because this job is a great job and a lot of people want to do it. And there's a, there can be a mindset that if, you know, you don't like it here, go find something else. Um, That's super degrading to your culture of your organization and Mm -hmm. to your people. So, so broadly speaking, I think a rebranding or just uh, the community perception of what the fire department does when you do a better job at explaining ourselves and explaining the value we are to the community and then internally just focusing on mental health and our people and, and, and ensuring that we're investing in those people. I, I love um, Reginald Freeman of Oakland says, pay me now, pay me later. I love that statement. It's so true. It's like, I, I, I talk to people in our city all the time. It's like, we, we need to invest in our people now and, and early and often um, because, you know, whether if they leave and they take 15 years of experience to another organization or they give up on a fire service or they just mentally check out, we're going to pay for that later. So um, pay me now or pay me later and, and rebranding are kind of the, the, the global and the internal things that I would say the fire service should focus on. Okay. All right. There you have it there. Um one more question, kind of, it kind of definitely relates to uh, a chief officer position. Uh, if you ride the buggy on a working incident, are you commanding inside or out, and why? Good question. Yeah, and I think ultimately, you know, every organ, you know, organizations do things a little bit different. Um, for us, we don't have a bunch of chief officers that show up on scene. You know, usually two, um, maybe three, if we're lucky. I, I believe in investing in the, the leadership of your organization. I believe we have rank for a reason. I believe mm-hmm. we we have lieutenants and captains and battalion chiefs for a reason. Um, and I see organizations that 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 manage or what was the word you did you use the word manage or command? I think you used the word command. Command, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I believe there are organizations that command from the interior. 
And I, I sometimes question, well, why do you have captains? Um, I've seen chief officers tell engine company officers what line to pull on fires, um, where to park fire engines. And to some degree, we, it's good for us to give some guidance if we happen to be on scene and see that the fire is on the Delta side. You know, there's there's some value to telling the engine companies where the fire is or what they're being faced and paint that picture. I get that. But once they arrive and once they get to work, I believe on setting leaders intent, set, setting, um, you know, what's your what's your objectives, what's your, you know, keep the fire to the building, keep the, you know, interior, exterior, is it is it protect exposures? Get train your people to do their jobs and then empower them to do their jobs and then you know, not hold them accountable to doing their jobs, meaning, and that doesn't mean negative, that should might mean uh, training or ask questions. But we have uh, span of control for a reason, we have rank for a reason, we have training programs for a reason. I believe in, in commanding from the exterior. Um, I think my experiences in wildland fire uh, really have have driven that home to me that you know you're dealing with uh, I've led been a part of the leadership of fires over a million acres. Well, you know how do you command that from the interior? You can't. Uh, so so I, I'm an outside type command person, okay. and I believe in giving direction and objectives, and I believe in training our people to be good at what they do. And to let them do it and to make decisions based off of whatever they come across uh, and supporting those decisions. And that's where your experience as a commander or as a leader uh, really comes into play is, is um, and when, because I do, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is, is we do have chief officers that are in command roles that don't have a, a lot of experience. Um, and that's where they tend to lead from the inside and command from the inside. And they tend to not trust their people to make decisions or they feel like if I don't tell them what to do, they're going to do the wrong thing. Uh, I, I completely disagree with that and, and think we should try to focus on on staying outside and giving direction and letting our people do the work. OK. All right. Um, this part here uh, is for, for those that uh, I call it the shameless plug. If uh, anyone wants to get a hold of you, any programs, articles that you've written, I'm sure you probably do teaching. This is your time to yeah. kind of much, you know, let everybody. No, I, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, ultimately, I, I have a Facebook page that that I put a lot of stuff on. So so um, if people want to look me up on Facebook, I'm on there. I have a website to try to I, I built the website and, and as a as a placeholder for any podcasts or articles that I write, I throw them on there. So it's just www.chadcosta.org. Um, people want to check that out and, and look at what I read um, within that website or the Facebook page. People can connect me, you know, via email or whatever. I'm pretty responsive. Uh, just send me an email and ask questions. I talk to many people across the country and other countries. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know what I know. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't know about. And if I don't, I I'm honest, but, mm -hmm. um, but I looking, I, I really enjoy uh, those. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a chief officer in California that I, that I look up to. He's a fire chief, I should say uh, large department, one of the largest in the state of California. 
he's younger and he's motivated, you know, technology, communication, educated, all those things that I value. Does a good job. I think he does a great job. I, I was so nervous because I wanted to talk to this individual. I wanted to pick their brain. I wanted to find out, you know, how did they get to where they get? What made them successful? What were their failures? I, I wanted to hear because I think that's important for me to be able to grow is to hear from other people's, you know, adventures through this job. And so I sent I sent him an email one day. I got the courage and I just said, okay, so I looked him up online, found his email and sent him an email. In 20 minutes, he responded. And this is one of the largest fire departments in California. In 20 minutes, this individual responded to me with, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. I'd love to chat. Um, how about I give you a call on my way home from work today? What's your number? And he did. And he called my phone rings. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I'm kind of nervous and choked up a little bit. Uh -huh. uh, but that's the leadership in the fire service that we need. And that changed my, I've ultimately changed, that person has kind of changed my life as far as what I'm doing today and where, where I'm my mission headed. Um, and so that's how, what I try to, I value that. So anybody that wants to reach out or ask a question or just chat, um, I'll, I'll make myself available some way, shape or form. And uh, so, so Facebook or, uh, or my website is probably the best places to, you know, find anything you want to read or, or get in touch with me. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well, chief, I definitely appreciate your time, uh, taking time out of your schedule to do this. Um, this was a good conversation and um, yeah, I was one of those that reached out and you were like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Like no issues, no problems. So I do appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will love the information that was presented in this episode today. Again, keep yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's uh, it's important uh, that we, you know, there's all across this country, there's some great people and some great firefighters and shame on us for not sharing our feelings and our thoughts and our experiences. Uh, and so I appreciate what you're doing and thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.